0: Hello friends, this is Juan Pablo Herrera, church planning resident for Urban Village Church, where we seek to be bold, relevant, and inclusive. This is a podcast titled Drag and Spirituality, where we take time to listen to queer folk as they discuss their journey with religion, faith, and share their contemplative practices. There may be colorful language used during these interviews, so discretion is advised, especially if you have children. We hope you are inspired, and thank you for listening. Bendiciones. God bless.
1: Hi everyone, how's it going? Uh, This is Bonnie Violet, and I am a queer chaplain, and I'm super excited that you are here. Um, In case you don't know where you are, um, this is Drag and Spirituality, our Named and Known series, um, hosted by Urban Village Church. Um, In this series, we are interviewing six Chicago-based drag artists, um, to t- talk about their experience with drag and spirituality. Um, and uh, this is an ex- experience where church meets a drag show. So um, feel free to um, tip your queen, tip your artist, at Venmo, at Tony-Guerrero. You can see that just on top of, uh, just above the wisp, as well as Juan Pablo will probably post it here in a second because he's awesome like that. Which, you know, I've we've been doing this for a few weeks and I've never said Thank you and acknowledge. So, thank you, Juan Pablo, for being the master behind the scenes uh, throughout this whole series. So, what else am I have to? I think you know what? I don't care. Um, questions, comments, those sorts of things. Feel free to interact with us. Um, we'll bring the questions and the comments up just as soon as we can. Hello, Elizabeth, and um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Our guest this evening is Willa the Wisp.
2: Hello, hello hey, you.
1: you got some I'm smoke. playing
0: with fire.
1: Playing with fire, huh? What's going on <laughs> over there?
0: <laughs> I'm just burning a little bit of sage.-hmm. cleansing a little bit of the moment for me for us, this joint experience. Also, drag queens and fire. what could go wrong?
1: <laughs> right? <I know.
0: laughs> Nothing here is flammable at all.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, drag queen on fire coming to, coming a, drag to a theater. On
0: fire. Oh, my gosh. Coming,
1: <laughs> coming to, to the a theater near you, you. <laughs> for sure.
0: Hello, Sasha. Ooh, hey.
1: All right. So, um, we, I used to, I mean, I like to really just kind of dive right in. I'm not like, I don't know. That's just how I do it. So, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself um, as a little one growing up as a child?
0: Ooh, let's go way, way back.
2: Way back.
0: <laughs> so I'm originally from Mexico City. Um, and as a little bitty one, I, I, so I was born and raised there. And I lived there until I was 18. And I mean, for like a year, I lived in Chicago. Like my parents thought, ooh, maybe we'll do it. And then we did it. And then we did it. I lived in Oak Park. And then... I have vague memories of living in Oak Park. It um it was nice. <laughs> I was 4. Um correction, I have some memory some like memories of um termites, but um it was for the most part as a BB1, I was always wild like in 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 a very distinct sort of like unwilling to let other people tell me what i was thinking kind of way and what i was doing and i would get in trouble with my parents or i I was always like a good kid and behavior but i was always the kind of person who would like step up to step up to authority i get in trouble Mm -hmm. with my i was just one of those kinds of people who like didn't want to be told and then like i think as as a high schooler i I really, and as a middle school, I really experienced some of like the burdens of what it felt to be different. I would have mm-hmm. felt to be uh, queer or gay or identify as queer, um, how to how to be perceived as that. Um, also as a kid, I was very, very large. I was uh, the O word. I don't love that word for kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty harmful.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I was the O word and that was hard for me uh, as a kid growing up to just sort of be picked on for being very this, you know, and then also big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time I began to discover I stopped being as loud and as oh, all over the place as I was. And it wasn't, I think, until my later years in high school where I decided, you know what, forget it. I'm gonna be this person, I'm gonna re- rediscover this person. And once I definitely left high school and I came to the United States for college, I decided, you know what, clean slate. No one here knows me. Because I went to school with the same people from kindergarten to 12th grade. So we knew everything about everything. Mm -hmm. And I come around, I was like, no one knows me. I get to just be who I am. So I think when I, I, I remember asking one of my friends, one of my oldest friends, like, what was I like as a kid? And she was like, you were, you were never willing to let other people tell you. How you needed to be, and that made it hard for you as a kid because some kids can be cruel. And
2: yeah. um
0: I think that that was just like uh, who I was. I was always, you know, coloring and drawing and obsessed with like, I don't know, I think all little queer kids go through like their mythology phase and their, I don't know, their obsession with Egyptology and dinosaurs. And I was like that kid who would spend hours pouring over like, the, these myths of gods and goddesses, and trying to be like this kind of person who was obsessed with all these artistic moments and these spiritual things. Um, would and, you, yeah? Would
1: you say, would you say that's a way that you kind of uh, coped with some of the challenges growing up? Was kind of.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Escaping into the fantasy.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it was very much a situation of art being a space that I could just like disengage from things. Um, I went through a lot of situations. Uh, I think that there were a few things that I really spent a lot of time focusing on to like really come to terms with who I felt I was. And one of them was art. My, my dad is a musician, he's a professional musician. So I was always surrounded by the idea that art was good, right? That was a, that was a thing in our household. That being an artist is an important part of life, and I saw all the ins and outs of what it meant to be a professional artist—the beauties and the pitfall, right? right. Um, and I got to really uh, see the world through his eyes. And I and I honestly can't listen to the piano without immediately thinking of him and just who he is. He's a jazz musician, and so I think that I started my music, uh, love, my love for music. And performance through that. Um, so I was in theater as a kid. I was—I always wanted to get the best parts. Um, you know, sometimes when you put on like a theater production as a kid, in like fourth grade or something, and some kids are doing the stage, and doing some kids are doing the costume. I was like, I'm the talent. Right. Hearts the seas. It is me. Um,
1: <laughs> right. You were the star.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. This big fat like star moment, just being like, "Hello, um, his oh, right. <laughs>
2: mom." Not
1: much has changed, right? Huh? As far as like the, being the star.
0: Oh, absolutely not. I just got better at looking like going.
1: There you go. <laughs> did you um kind of did you grow up with any sort of like religion or spirituality within your family?
0: Yes, yes, I did. Um. It was I, I described the my spiritual upbringing as a mixed bag, an eclectic mixed bag of many things. So growing up in Mexico, it's pretty hard to grow up as if uh, un- unless you're unless you're not Catholic. For the most part, Catholicism imbues experience in Mexico, even just like culturally, the way people live their lives. You know, spring break is around um, is around Holy Week and the ho- and around Easter and. Um, you know, Christmas is a big, big deal, even if you're not a Catholic or Christian. Like, so I grew up with that, in that cultural set. Mm-hmm. And then also I did go to Catholic church and I would sometimes just fall asleep in the pews or, you know, <laughs> act out because I was bored. Or, I don't know. I don't know if you, I, I, so the church that I went to is one of the oldest churches in Mexico, it's where the Virgin of Guadalupe was presented in Tlatelolco, and the priest was lovely, but he did a large portion of the service in Latin, and I was like, "Sir, <laughs> Wendy's, like, I, this is hella boring. I am so sorry." So I spent a large portion of the time actually like looking at the art on the in the ceiling, and I would like spend hours just staring at the ceiling. And I actually love churches because they are like works of art. Churches yeah. are abs like I get godsmacked every time I walk into a church. Um, and so I would spend hours just staring at the artwork and staring at the little things and that the engravings on in the wooden pews and you know um, in the confessional in the confessionary, right? Whatever you call it. Um, But yeah, I remember going to Sunday school and acting out there and telling my teacher that she was wrong, getting in trouble. Um, But So there was that component. I I was raised in many parts Catholic, but I was also raised in a separate cultural, spiritual practice that I think is probably um, familiar to many Latinx folks who grew up in Mexico or who grew up in Mexico or anywhere. Where you have sort of this syncretic mishmash um, faith, where you bring in some native uh, native people's practices, you br- and then you bring in some other practices. So it was called, um, I think, I would call it spiritualism. Uh, 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 trinitarian spiritualism, I think, is the best description of the of the faith. And they have temples um, and the ones in Mexico, there's only like three or four of them in Mexico city. And they started in the early 1900s because during that time, there was this obsession with spiritism and spirits. And um, there was also that obsession with, that's like the whole Ouija board, the whole everything, right? Spirits and seances, right? Um, And that brought in this experience, tie it, tie that with the experience of angel and saint worship and tie that together with native experiences of ancestor and god uh, and and a polytheistic god experience then they would all come together and then to just sort of add on to that um there would be um there would be just a lot of uh there would also be like oriental and uh, orientalism uh i would say do, guided by the by the movement of orientalism so let me be clear the word oriental is not what i'm using here but i'm using the word uh, of the term orientalism with the obsession of eastern cultures that happened a lot in the 1900s mm-hmm. at the beginning of the, uh, the 1900s and so it would bring in a lot of those practices too so this became this like mix of so many different faiths um and a mix of so many different experiences, and so I grew up going to both the Catholic church and also to- te- also the temple, and my grandmother was very connected to the temple, as was my father and we were we were part of this sort of like uh one of the families who was very connected to the spiritual practice of this temple and the and the sustainment of this temple. so I don't know if you have ever seen the way in which and I think Juan Pablo asked it, does the yeah. come from that tradition? Limpia the huevo means an egg cleanse. It's when someone will pass an egg along you to remove energy, to cleanse your your energy, to cleanse your aura. Um I don't think it comes from spiritualism. I think that's actually a more um native practice, just in general, the experience of cleansing. Um uh, but I but there are so many different ways that you can get a cleanse. And I'm sure a lot of uh, Latinx folks have had their, their tia, their aunt just come over and cleanse them with an egg or a lemon. I once had someone clean me with a burning bush. Um, they told me that if that d- didn't fix me, they were going to use a black chicken. And um, I really did not want that kind of black talk around me. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, <laughs> it's hard to describe. Um, My faith, but it's, it was like a mishmash of everything. And that's why now I'm the person who like, is very like spiritual, you know, like crystals and my, and my sage, because I grew up burning incense and going to, I actually also surprisingly enough, because of all of this, my aunt started practicing Hinduism and Buddhism Mm. and then my grandmother did as well. And they started practicing uh, and following Hinduism as part of their spiritual journey and so I ended up also going to ashrams as a kid mm-hmm. and uh, meditating at ashrams with them and so there was this whole like faith was just an exploratory experience but also this very deeply like at the end of the day we felt that it was all connected to the divine we were all mm-hmm. in every practice connected to the experience of feeling grounded in faith mm-hmm. and sort of like also elevated but I was like 13, so I don't think I really had that experience then. But
1: now that I on it, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> right, right. But you were, were you uh, interested? Did you enjoy it? Or what was your, yeah, what did you think about it when you were young?
0: Well, that's a question. <laughs> I'm mm, like, did I enjoy it? I think mixed, mixed bag, right? So there are things that I loved. Um, For instance, going to the ashram was such a beautiful experience. Uh, Being, I would go with my aunt to the ashram during, um, during Holi. Uh, uh, I would also go during Diwali um, and we would celebrate those times. And then um, it was very beautiful to go during Diwali and to go during Ganesha's celebration as well and, and to meditate. And it was very foreign at the time to me because i was uh, i didn't practice it at that time uh-huh. and i definitely felt a sense of like deep like oh this is nice this is spiritual and this is important and mm-hmm. people and people were open and welcoming and i think um other things i did not like so um i for instance did not love that at the temple that we would go they would separate the genders and they would mm-hmm. have men and young boys sitting together and women and young girls sitting together. And that felt very, first of all, bizarre to me because when we would go, we would go as a family. Mm -hmm. And I would sit with my dad and then my mom would be like on the entire other side, like sitting with a bunch of people I didn't know. And, oh, thank you, Nicole. (laughs) Um, And that kind of irked me, right? The experience of like this separation of genders was so arbitrary and bizarre because then you would then see people channeling ancestral powers, ancestral guides, spiritual guides. You'd see people channeling spirits. um, Oh, I forgot to mention that another component of spiritualism is um, the channeling and the mediumship, which also comes from both native experiences uh, and also from African faiths. So there would also be Orisha uh, worship and so, when there would be a, the channeling of a, of an ancestor, the channeling of a spirit guide, the gender of the spirit guide wouldn't match the channeler all the time. Uh-huh. And it was it very bizarre for there to be these arbitrary lines on gender. Um, and I don't know if that's the way it is now, mm-hmm. um, but that's the way it was then. And that kind of pissed me off. And I would be very upset, um, that I couldn't sit with my grandmother, that I couldn't sit with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would probably just fall asleep. Um,
1: yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a question from, uh, from Sasha. Uh, many folks differentiate religion from spirituality. Do you? Did I pronounce
2: I that?
0: Do. I definitely do. I think spirituality is a, a, a practice of self-discovery, right? Everyone can have their own individual spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and not everyone has the same spirituality, right? Um, everyone sort of walks through these different um, paces at their own time, through their own pace, and if they want to, right? Right. Would you, um, say, sorry.
1: Would you say they're two different, like do you, do you think it would be your, your religious or your spiritual, or can you be both?
0: I think you can also be both. Um, I definitely know a lot of people who are religious who are not spiritual. Not casting aspersions towards them, but sometimes you can see that. Um, I think that one of the distinctions that I do put on is around culture and um, pr- tradition.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, religion has a culture; it has a tradition. You go to church for Easter. You right. you fast. You, uh, you fast, or and you don't eat meat in the forty days leading up to right and. Um, So there is a cultural and traditional practice around that. And then that's religion. And spirituality is then in that case, what you get from it, what you get from doing those practices. Mm -hmm. So, And since my faith has not always been religious, but has been um, deeply embedded in my own self-exploration, Mm-hmm. That's why I differentiate my religion from my spirituality because I wouldn't say I'm a religious person. Right. Um I don't necessarily always abide by the rules of of certain um cultural practices in the religion but I certainly will abide them if I find that they connect with my spiritual experience and what I want to explore. So
1: yeah. Yeah, I feel like spirituality is kind of like uh going straight to the source. Whereas yes. sometimes like religion or ritual can be a way of connecting with it when you're kind of not able to, um, you know, like on your own, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so just as a follow-up, uh they say very well put, spirituality is what you get from the religion or culture. Love that.
0: Yes. And and I think that in the last couple of years, I've also become more connected to my religious experience as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think. As queer people, we experience a lot of trauma around religion and around spirituality growing up. And I did—I wouldn't say I experienced a lot of it personally all the time, although um, I think the gender thing really pissed me off because I was also like, I didn't always feel male as a kid. And so it, was, it would always be weird. I mm-hmm. always felt more connected to my mother nine times out of 10. So that always pissed me off. Um mm-hmm. And, but I think the trauma that we grew up with being exposed to the ways in which sometimes some religions discuss um, identities and specifically gender minorities and sexual minorities, it can be, it can sh- it can push us away. And then mm-hmm. if we find spirituality and religion later in life, it is through a process of self-discovery and of a desire to want to be a part of that ourselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know if that was the case for you. But-
1: yeah, yeah, I definitely relate to that. I think, you know, I think religion was something that I started with and yeah, it it harmed me. I no longer fit in the mold. So then I had to kind of go out into the world without it. I found it kind of in drugs and alcohol for a while. And then event- eventually I would say I became spiritual and I got a connection with my understanding of God, the divine higher power. And then now that I've been spiritual a little longer i'm more comfortable with the idea of landing in religion or religious Mm -hmm. spaces um because i'm because i'm confident in who i am and my connection with my understanding i can sit anywhere even if they don't want me there or they don't think i should be there you know what i mean
0: yes yes and i love that and i think that there's as soon as you said that it made me think of something religion isn't also about community um spirituality is individual my spirituality is completely distinct from yours, but we can share religious, ritual, culture, practice for the purposes of our community and our, the purposes of you and I connecting to each other through this shared experience. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's actually something that I'm now probably more interested in than I was before. Now, I certainly think that during this pandemic, all of us could use a little bit more community. Um, right. And- and so I would say that I do turn to my faith sometimes to find both answers internally, but also the sense of being connected. And I can't tell you the number of times I've called my dad being like, so hi, um, we used to never talk about religion and spirituality. But in these last three years, I've really needed it. Can we talk about like everything and I'm like really getting him to like give me all this rundown of his experience. And that's why I'm learning so much more about our faith, which I don't think I could have had this conversation with you three years ago. Yeah. I think it was like, I don't know, my faith this is something, right?
1: Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Nicole um, says uh, she loves that distinction. I've come back to religion mostly for reasons of community. I d- definitely get that. I think for me, you know, when I was little, when I was young, I ran away from home into church and church was kind of like my safety. It, mm-hmm. like, but it wasn't, I don't think, spiritual at that time. So I think mm-hmm. there's still an element of like landing in a religious space or a setting as a way as kind of like a a foundation or a net um, to kind of keep you okay or keep you going through some some difficult times. I think you know it's like something to land in. At least that's my experience.
0: Absolutely, I I definitely I definitely feel that, and I definitely understand that coming into all of these places, uh, the purpose is safety. The purpose is feeling connected, but also feeling a sense of peace and a sense of like oneness with the people you're with and a sense of being loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that's what we're craving when we're looking for faith and we're looking for religion. We're looking for the experience of having some of that. And I don't know, um, when I would go to the temple or when I would go to the church, or even when I go to the ashram, which by the way, I didn't describe what an ashram is. An ashram is a Hindu temple.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I would not always find that piece. Um, although I would say I found it the most of the ashram because the ashram was dope. That was super fun. Beautiful flowers everywhere. And as you can tell, I love flowers. Right. Really? Um, <laughs> but I think that it was, it wasn't until later. And now that I can walk in today, and feel like, oh, I think I have this sense of internal peace now that I know how to find community. Because when I didn't feel comfortable with myself, and when I didn't feel like the people around me would support that, I certainly wouldn't know how to seek that community. Right. And now I think I uh I think I could walk, as you said, into any space and say, like, yes, this is me. And mm-hmm. hello.
1: And yes, yes. And Nicole says. Um, she also agrees with the sentiment coming back to faith specifically that of our parents when we were older, um, kind of like as as a follow-up to spirituality, I think there's an element of, I guess what's coming to my mind right now, I usually don't try to say too much, but, um, is like the concept of, um, of the, of, and I lost, I lost my, I lost my, um. My frame of mind. I think something's telling me to to be quiet. <laughs> the
0: guides are saying, think of it again.
1: Right, it'll come back to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my mom always says it must have been a lie, but I always say <laughs> now. I say maybe the guides are saying, think of it and think of it a little second
1: longer. Right, a little bit longer. Um, let's go ahead though and uh, take a little break. Uh, we're gonna play like a little video clip, and then we'll come back and maybe if folks have more questions and I'll yes,
0: ask a question.
1: All right. Play that video. Back, um,
0: Hello, Santo. Now,
1: right? I can I can feel it over here. It's helpful.
0: <laughs> Actually, I should. I want to get a singing bowl, but I'm a little too loud to begin with, and I think I would just be banging it everywhere. i don't get those right. no because of y'all. Y'all <laughs> get no sleep because of me. Boom.
1: Right. I was. Yeah. I was thinking it's a great segue to jump into drag, and so yes. there was a comment from. I hope I'm not feel like I'm not saying it correctly, Sasha. Um, How does your being a fabulous drag queen play into your spirituality, if at all?
0: That's a great question. I actually didn't fully connect the dots on that until I think later on. I think when I when I thought about my drag, when I was first coming up with it, um, I didn't think that it was connected to spirituality. Now that I think about it, the name will have a wisp. It's a spiritual connection, which I wasn't noticing. A will of the wisp is a oh. spirit guide in in um Celtic tradition. A will of the wisp guides you sometimes to great things, sometimes to not so great things. But the purpose is to be a spirit guide. I got it from the Sound of Music, because they were mm. talking about Maria being a will of a wisp and just being fleety and floaty. And I always wondered what it would be like to be graceful, graceful, fleety, floaty swan.
2: Uh, I am yeah. one of
0: those things. Um but I think that as I've thought a lot about who I am as a person, I've discovered my experience of gender to be a lot more exploratory. And drag opened that up to me in a really big yeah. way. I was like, oh my God, my gender isn't this structured thing.
2: Yeah. And
0: with that, I think what it's really rooted in is I'm getting to know these very intimate moments of the powerful divine feminine and the powerful divine masculine and the power of my divinity that has nothing to do with any, just my energy of who I am as a person. And I don't think that I conceived my drag to be that, but I think that as I like play with the crayons of what it's like to be a human being and what Mm -hmm. it's like to be who I am, I get to explore who I who I can show myself as and how I can be. And I think that that's a I think that that's a spiritual experience too. Um I and truth be told, like there's a ritual to drag. Um, yeah. I I don't know what you do, but uh I think we all as as drag performers, we have a moment where we really have to get into our Zen, into our space and we really um even if it's a chaotic mess in front of us of makeup brushes and and everything else is it's a a meditative process where you really come to tune with who you are and what you're willing to do and and uh it's a very trust the process situation Mm because this doesn't look like this two hours ago right (laughs) and so i think that ritual is, is also a very spiritual practice because you begin to do these things that bring you into who you are and I don't think that they' I don't think that we think of them as spiritual but I think that the idea that spirituality is this like big thing mm-hmm. right that like can't be done through the small things is something that I actually resist uh-huh. And so for me accessing my spirituality through drag makes sense because I have a ritual I have a practice and when I put on the lashes, when I put on the wig, yes am I feeling myself? absolutely but I'm feeling myself because all of a sudden a part of me feels alive. Mm -hmm. right and i'm like i feel alive my my soul my spirit feels excited and when even when we're performing there's an electricity to it there's an art there's a movement to it which i which really when you walk off the stage you're shaking because you're just so excited and you can't tell me that isn't spiritual you can't tell me that that's not raw power going straight through you because you were just taken through that moment. So mm-hmm. I think it I think drag is spiritual because it's art, because right. it's expression. And because in many parts it's magic.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think there's such a vulnerability that is experienced because we're putting ourselves, especially in the way the world is now, is like we're putting ourselves out there in a way in which, you know, people are gonna come at us in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles has a question. No Charles. Hey, Charles, right? <laughs> do you find your trusting of the ritual of drag tied to your upbringing in a spiritual context? Huh
0: I don't think I thought about it that way. Um, I don't think I thought about it. uh but I do think that there is an inherent faith and an inherent trust that you have to put into it. First, mm-hmm. you have to have faith in yourself, right. The first is like, look, regardless of anything, I have to go to this job, I have to go to this booking, I have things I need to do. Right. So that's put faith that I'm capable.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that faith is, that's a, that's a faith that's hard to come up with, right? To say right. like the gumption to say, I am capable. Cause there are so many moments when you're coming up with this and things go wrong, things go askew. And you just have to be like, sis, get it together, come to Jesus and right. tell yourself that you are willing to get it done because you care about what you're doing and because you love this, right? And yeah. I think that there is a part of that that that, that, is, that is trusting the process as a process of faith. And then I think that um, that same practice of sitting with yourself and saying, I believe in myself enough and I believe that this can happen or I believe in that which guides me mm-hmm. to do it, right? And I think when I'm met with big things, when I met with big questions that keep me up at night, I have to sit with that question too. And I have to go back and say, I have to believe right now that this is going to walk me through that process Mm -hmm. because I love myself because I love what I'm doing, because I love the people I'm doing it for, because I'm committed to this and I just have to dive in and keep going
1: yeah and there's you know I think the other part that comes to mind is that idea that there is things passed down to us, so there are like people who mm-hmm. came before us, you know they're our family, they're our yeah. kings and kings and other royalty that came before us, and what they've learned and what they practice they kind of found out to us, and so I think that and I think as sometimes as queer people, you know we can't necessarily get that from our family of origins, so right. I think it is, it is a way for us to trans for wisdom and experience from one generation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Completely agreed, and that's such an important component of queer culture, right? Being able to share um, the wisdom down um, and uh, and across. Um, and I think that I don't think I. I sometimes sit sit and wonder about this um, because I think a lot about. Um, so I have a I have a deep and very um, powerful connection to my family that has mostly been relatively positive. There have been some moments that have just not been the coolest, but for the most part, I would say that my experience and my relationship with my family is very, very good. And so for that, when I think about like my ancestral history, I think about like the power that I'm bringing into myself through them and for them and towards others. Mm-hmm. and and i think that that's very similar to the experience of sharing what you know and the wisdom that you have through drag
1: yes indeed um sasha has a i think is it a it's a comment or question sasha says i heard that drag queens are magical from the video i watched of drag queens reading to children they are the true fairy godmothers kids love them
0: i think drag performers are absolutely magical
2: yep
0: uh, first of all it's a magic of illusion but also it's a magic of there's a magic in experiencing the moment mm-hmm. that is and i think that that's really something that like i don't know i i don't think a lot about like i don't what what saints and saints were thinking or not but sometimes i wonder they thought they talk a lot about ecstasy they mm-hmm. talk a lot about the experience of feeling bliss through spirituality, feeling the bliss of the connection to God, the bliss of the connection to angels that that guide them. And every single one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, experience this like, this eye-opening, earth-shaking, like eye-watering level of bliss. And I think it comes from just fully knowing the, the strength of power, right? And... I think that drag does that in a very unique way. People, all of a sudden, their lives just shed off of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Rick, we'll miss you. Yes. You.
1: Bye, Rick.
0: <laughs> yes. But you, When you see people at a drag show who are just living for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. The performer or the audience, they, right. they, it's like they just shed a thousand pounds off their off, off their heart and you can just see the performer and just fully experience it. And then you can just, and I love it as a performer, looking yeah. into the audience and seeing like starry eyes. Yeah. It's yeah. one of my favorite things. And to just to see that is electrifying, but it's also, you can tell that in that one moment, you're fully connected to each other in the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think we're able to allow people to break the chains, to be like free from the chains, that are holding them down of what their expectations are as men, as women, as parents, as whatever. I think there's like a, I don't know, I've heard so many people say, like, oh, well, I'm gonna try this now. Like maybe they're not gonna get in drag, but it kind of inspires them to do like yes. to lean into something different.
0: It's liberating. I I can't tell you how many people I've run into when I'm when I'm performing who say, not first of all, like, that was so much fun. Blah, 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 blah but they say, oh my God, that made me think that I could have so much fun like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. girl, duh. I'm like, yes, yes, that's the point. The point is like, uh, whether you believe in one life, in one life and an afterlife in many, many, many lives, regardless of what you believe, you're in this one right now, right? Like that is the truth. You're here right now doing this thing, this moment. And regardless of your belief, uh, you might as well have a fantastic time. Get your life. Yeah. Yeah, Totally get
1: your life. Get your life. Yeah, I mean, I think spirituality is anything that lifts you, like anything that that lifts you in a way and animates you in like a positive, life-affirming, joy-filled way.
0: Yes, yes, and it completes you. And it gives you a sense of like, this works for me. Mm
1: -hmm. Sasha, Sasha says, can you bring the dra- this drag energy outside of being in drag? If yes, how? So yeah, how has your drag affected you outside of drag?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, Sasha, absolutely. First of all, everything is drag, right? Um, so Mr. Paul, I, we all quote them, it's like the whole thing, but you're all born naked and the rest is drag. And, and I, I'm not gonna, I think that's just a truism. Everything that we put on, who we are, how we behave, our whole life is a performance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's beautiful, sometimes it's hard, but everything is a performance. So bringing the energy of, so for me doing drag woke me up to that idea. Yeah, It woke me up to the experience that there is such a thing as as just liberating yourself everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, I think for drag, that really did that. It showed me what I'm capable of. I'm capable of commanding someone's attention, but then mm-hmm. loving it. I'm capable of loving the moment. I'm capable of trusting myself. I'm capable of trusting others that they'll help me. Cause there's a, there's a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a kinship that we all connect with. Um, and, and to put all of that together, I think those are lessons that I, that I learned through drag, um, mm-hmm. that are just life lessons, right? right. To trust yourself, to trust others, to have to have faith in what guides you, um, to step into your power. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, did a particular? So Caitlin yes, says, yeah. did a particular performer or experience inspire you to try something new?
0: Oof. I think. Every time I look at a direct performer, I have a mantra internally, which is what am I going to learn from this? What am I going to take from this? What am I looking at that's going to inspire me? And sometimes it, things don't always speak to me, but I'm like, I'm here to learn. I'm here. Like, I literally have to sit. I'm like, oh, if I'm like sitting like you, it'll happen where you're sitting in the back, just like sort of like, eh, and I get 10. That's mm-hmm. key, like, for the most part, I'm like, okay, sis, what are you here to learn? Why are you here in this bar, right? Like trying mm-hmm. to have fun. What can you learn from this? And so, I think um, some performers that really inspire me to know and are Chicago performers like Joe, uh, like Joe Mama and Connor Cons, the Geek House ladies, the Geek House performers. There's a sense of liberation in everything they do. Um, something that I love about what Connor does, um, Connor Cons, is that they step into a character. And for the whole moment of their experience and their performance, they are completely and entirely that character. And I've seen them do fantastical, bizarre things—things things that you wouldn't even imagine are drag-related, spooky, ah. weird things that are fun. They're dressed as Furbies. Their their penis is a Furby. They're dressed as they're dressed as Jabba the Hut. They're Mr. Mime. It's this mm-hmm. weird, bizarre level of freedom that comes with just experimenting. What it's like to just be liberated to the extent of being like I'm here to have fun what are you doing yeah. right? I think that that's something I take a lot of um,
1: do you feel do you feel that uh, drag is an extension of yourself or it's something that's kind of like I know some people say mm-hmm. it's the character I become or do you feel like it's a it's an expression of you
0: both? And I know that that's just like the, the Miss Congeniality answer, world peace.
2: It's the correct um, answer, I think. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> And what do we want? World peace. Like, right. if we're going to use miscongeniality Congeniality as an answer, uh, I was watching it like a few weeks ago, so it's still stuck in my head. Gracie Hart wasn't like uh, Gracie Lou Freebush or whatever she was until she was, right? And she mm-hmm. put on her character. And then she learned that through being Gracie Lou Freebush, she could be this person. But then later on, she's back to being Gracie Hart. She always is.
2: Mm-hmm. But,
0: so putting on a character, I think, is a channel by which you can discover things about yourself. Yeah, You don't have to. You don't have to. Right. But um, it's fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like, for me, I feel like that's a lot of how I approach my spirituality or my understanding. It's like, I believe in a God or a divine that that it is grace. And gives mm-hmm. me grace and in my best divine state, I I have grace as well. So it's like, it can be helpful to think of like, what would somebody who is practicing grace, somebody who could be, have yeah. grace in this moment, how would they respond? What would they say? What would they do? What would they not do?
0: Yes, yes. And there's, uh, drag is all about embracing flaws and embracing the unknown mm-hmm. and, to do that with the power and the grace that you can, and that you can afford yourself. And so I think that, yeah, it's all about like learning how those things in drag can teach you to be a better person outside mm-hmm. of drag. Yeah. Um, and Willa, I think a lot of us have felt this way. Willa has granted Tony the confidence to be someone unstoppable, right? And I'm like, Willa would not stand for this.
1: Right. <laughs> um. And uh, I was what was my question? It's I it was such a good question. Um,
0: <laughs> oh,
1: girl, she's she's having those like those uh po- those things tonight where she can't keep her mind together. Juan Pablo has a question. Thank you, Juan. Uh huh. Juan Pablo, when you are not in drag, what do you do most days?
0: Oh, all right. <laughs> so like, what do I do for a life, for a living, or for fun? Um, let's see. Well, first. I play an obscene amount of Breath of the Wild. Uh, I I got a Nintendo Switch this past year and I was like, I'm gonna play video games. I'm gonna be a gamer.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Should I start a Twitch stream? Should I just start like getting in drag and being an idiot and and screaming at the top of my lungs whenever um, I'm being chased by a cyclops? I think you would enjoy that. Wouldn't you You comment below?
2: (laughs) Totally, Tell me (laughs) when.
0: I, I'm still learning this. This is the first time I've ever done a live. So I'm still like figuring it all out. But, um, other than this, other than drag, I think, so I, I work in public health. I, I work in HIV and LGBTQ health advocacy. And I also used to work in mental health advocacy. So I bring that all together. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a master's in public health because I, um, Decided that's, that was the right time to go to school. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, and, and I spent a large portion of my time um, really focusing on equity and health equity work. Um, so that's like my professional life. We're really mm-hmm. advocating for health equity um, and health access. And then um, I spent a lot of time with my friends and we almost always find a good excuse to dress up. We spend so much time dressing up. We're having a party this this Sunday and it's a love is dead party. And we're all Mm. planning to dress up like gothy moments, just the whole like vampiric pirate love is dead interview with a vampire Mm. moment at at emo goth punk, because it's Valentine's day and we just want to have an excuse to dress up and look cute. Right.
2: right.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite thing to perform or what's your, how's your, what's your favorite expression of drag?
0: So I think that I'm very um how many of us say that we're glamorous and camp. Okay. Obviously, yeah, I think that that's a very beautiful intersection. I but my favorite thing to do is to be wildly stupid. Hmm. If I if I tell a drag performer that was so stupid, it is my biggest expression of admiration for their work. Mm-hmm. Like if I tell you that was so stupid, I can't believe it. I once saw so I once saw um, Rosemary maybe Rosemary maybe put like three eggs up her up her vagina, and I was like, that is wild, that is intense, that is so stupid. Like why would you do that? But it was amazing, and she was doing it for a filth number related to John Waters, um, and so it worked perfectly, right? And but I love seeing people just be stupid and do things that are just like, outside of what you would expect. Like, yes, we love the moments. We love the picking the apples. We love the catcata cows, right? Right, right. And we love like the fun, um, sort of like face crack moments. But when you do something that is just so... And for me, what I like doing is I like storytelling through music and threading Mm -hmm. a storyline through the lyrics and through this message of the music. And I always like bringing in a song that no one would have expected I would have brought into the storyline. And people say, as soon as you brought in Jordan Sparks' No Air while performing as the Little Mermaid met like the creature from the Black Lagoon, they're like, that was the stupidest thing. I can't believe you were drowning and you were doing Jordan Sparks' No Air. That's so dumb, why would you do that? And I was like, exactly, that's the point. Mm
1: yes so it's so great i was uh it doesn't seem like um that the integration of drag and spirituality it doesn't seem like that has been a challenge for you but if it what would you say to somebody who might be challenged by integrating their drag and spirituality
0: i mean i wouldn't say that it hasn't it hasn't come easy right like these things don't these things don't just come for free um I think incorporating your dragging your spirituality involves an intimate moment of yourself, mm. right? You need to really trust that you have the power in getting to know yourself. And getting to know yourself is a hard thing to do. And it's something that not a lot of us care to do sometimes because when you look in the mirror, when you turn the magnifying glass on yourself, sometimes the things hurt or they're scary I struggle with my own mental health journey. I live with mental illness.
2: Mm-hmm. So when I
0: look in myself, I, I get scared too. And I think that the experience of looking at yourself and as you said, granting yourself grace and then also looking for help to find how to love yourself mm-hmm. in this intimate, beautiful, unshakable way. Right. Once you can do that, spirituality is, is um, it's almost the effect of that practice, the practice of like radical self-acceptance and the practice of radical self-love. And when I talk about radical self-acceptance, I'm I'm talking about every moment. Like as I was getting ready today, I had to put on like two belts because I was like, oh no, the rolls. And then I was like, no one's gonna see these rolls girl. And I was like, but I need to feel this whole moment. And I was like, Mm -hmm. girl stop. And then I still wore them. But then Mm -hmm. I realized it was like, I'm wearing them because I want to feel like I'm wearing them so I can feel gorgeous, but Mm -hmm. I'm not wearing them to look good. And to just practice the experience of being like, regardless of what I'm doing, at the end of the day, the only choice I have is to love myself right. or not. Mm-hmm. And to not love myself feels like it's less of an option than it used to be. And I think I struggled with that originally, but now I'm like, screw it. I'd rather love myself.
1: Yeah. Well, and to do things that make you, even if it's just that you are enjoying it and you're in like, you're like loving them the expression. It's like, yeah, I'm wearing a corset right now. She don't mm-hmm. need to be doing that. But I like I like the way it, it causes me to stand in a certain way. Exactly.
0: And a certain way. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And self-acceptance is about accepting yourself every moment at every time and to find it and to stop to stop the internal dialogue. And if you don't have an internal dialogue, which you just learned some people don't, which is wild. Um, but if you have like an internal message board or like an internal visual board, or maybe if you still have some thoughts that might say say things against you radical self-acceptance is about immediately stopping it and saying girl says no you don't treat my friend like that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right and to literally almost like step out of your body and say you don't get to treat my friend like that my friend is beautiful my friend is fantastic my friend is worthy and we're going to treat them like they're beautiful fantastic and worthy today Mm -hmm. and you're going to get with the program and I think that that's really important for me, for mental health, for spirituality, for drag, for art, for the practice of being. <laughs>
1: uh huh. Yeah. Um. Sasha says, uh, "I still struggle with self-love and acceptance." Uh, thank you for sharing this. Ex- I love you. And O's, right? Um, we are like um, coming up to like the last few minutes of our time together. Is there anything that you wanted to speak to that you haven't gotten a chance to yet?
0: Well, I think that one of the things that I want to bring forth in my drag even more, um, and I and this is something that I didn't mention based uh, based on what um, a question by Caitlin about folks that inspire me. Mm-hmm. Um, drag is a power of activism, of visibility, of power, um, and I've been inspired in Chicago. There's been this massive movement mm-hmm. around. The liberation of Black drag queens, the liberation of Black drag kings, the liberation of Blackness,
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: to grant a space and to empower the Black community in a way that's never happened before, uh, and to reclaim space and reclaim time. Um, Joe Mama has been inspiring in the city, leading the Drag March for Change last year, and then creating the Chicago Black Drag Council. I want to plug that. I'm not a part of it. But I have so many friends who I love who are a part of it. Lucy Stuhl, Ms. Hodo, Luke, I mean, people who are so fantastic, Mm -hmm. so so absolutely um, devoted to the movement uh, of empowering and celebrating Black lives. And I mean, last year taught us just how much we need to reckon with our experience of um, not being not being a country that affirms Blackness and that we're not yet at the place of saying Black Lives Matter as a community, as a whole. And in the queer community, we need to reckon with that. And so I just want to bring that up um, and say, like, you know, (laughs) if I can use this platform to share the experience of the Chicago Black Drag Council, please go look for them. Please go find out what they're doing. I believe they're doing a show this weekend,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, a Valentine's Day show related show um, thing. And I was very, moved by being a part of that and helping Joe through my experiences because I have experienced discrimination as a minority mm-hmm. in, in other ways um, and the experience of being Latinx and just being treated differently. And I really want to incorporate all of that in everything we're talking about, mm-hmm. in the liberation of communities, the yeah. liberation of young young children at the border being detained, living away from their parents, right? I couldn't sit through church without being next to my mom, and yep. I would be furious. Can you imagine what it's like to be a, a young toddler not being around your mother, and, or being a mother, not being around your child? Um, the fact that they're starving themselves in support of Black Lives Matter in the, of last summer.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I really want to bring up attention to these issues and the attention that the intersections of our, of our power is that drag has helped me find power and that power I, I wanna use to fight for justice and equity and to empower our communities into continuing to fight for the vulnerable communities around us, mm-hmm. um, to fight for immigrants, to fight for Latinx communities, to fight for black communities, to fight for, for trans communities, to, mm-hmm. to fight for our, our who who deserve justice.
1: Indeed, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up, and I'll be sure to include it in the description. So, folks, when you're watching this, listening to this, look in the description, and you can get connected um, to to all of that and the
0: communities. Mm, right.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's you know you. I think sometimes people might think drag is just drag, or it's so frivolous and fun, which it is. But however, yeah. drag artists have been taking care of people and have been impacting social change and cultural change for, forever. And now we get to do it in the in the lines of of, of racial um, you know racial uh, inequalities. Mm-hmm. And you know, and just taking it further beyond just taking care of us who have AIDS, you know, now we're going to the we're we're taking it further and we're changing the world even more as drag artists.
0: Exactly. Fighting Fighting the patriarchy, fighting the cis patriarchy, fighting heteronormativity is a part of everything we need to do uh, as queer people, as people who are allies. Um, I'm an ally to the black cause, but my cause is to use whatever platform I have, whatever remaining two and a half minutes to say black yeah. lives matter. And we need to do everything in our power to support uh, to support. Support everything we do. And right now, Black History Month, right? Awesome. This is the time. This is a time to support Black businesses, to support Black communities, to fight for organizations um, that fight for Blackness, like in Chicago, the Brave Space Alliance, uh, which fights for Black trans uh, communities and supports them in every way possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Sista Afia, a community uh, based mental health organization that's based at um women black women empowering black women for mental health and yeah. access to mental health resources. And I think that these are the kinds of things that I care about as a human being. And yeah. so hence Willa cares, right? I love being fabulous, but had to yeah. say had to plug yeah. things in. Yeah. I don't have performances coming up. So
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for all of that. I think that's a best way or a great way for us to end the show tonight. Um, follow Willa the Wisp on Instagram. Um, at Will of a Wisp. Um, also, the Venmo is there if you want to send her some coin. Um, okay. it, right, she'll take it. And then also, you can come see Villa or see Willa <laughs> perform. I'm getting all like excited, but um, have, have Willa? Willa's going to come perform with the rest of our um, artists that we've been interviewing on February the 27th um, at 2 p.m. We're going to do a spiritual drag brunch. We'll bring the drag, you bring the brunch, um, and we'll be watching that on Twitch. Due to copyright, so um, do do try to find your way to Twitch. We'll direct you there um, so that you can watch the show and have a good time. So, um, thanks so much, Willa, for joining us this evening, and uh, all right, and um, have a good night, everybody. Bye, bye. <laughs>